The Delta variant of COVID-19 continues to spread through the U.S., with Missouri and Kansas seeing high transmission rates. According to Fox News, CDC shows that on May 22nd, the variant accounted for only about 2.7% of cases. But as of last week, it is now closer to 10% of all cases in the U.S. A limited number of local fans will be allowed to attend the Tokyo Olympics, organizers announced Monday as they try to save some of the spirit of the games where even cheering has been banned. According to ABC News, organizers set a limit of 50% capacity, up to a maximum of 10,000 fans for each Olympic venue. And it is now time for your morning weather update. It is currently 77 degrees and we are looking at a high of 90 degrees. And tomorrow we are looking at a high of 70 degrees with a 60% probability of rain. Awesome. Thank you, Crystal. And now, after a little bit of an absence, we have our sportscaster, Campbell Donovan, back. Campbell, how are you feeling and what is going on in the world of sports? Kyle, thank you for that. And I'm glad to be back with all you here. And it's now time for the two-minute warning here on 90.3 WMC Upper Montclair, the voice of Montclair State University. And in baseball, the Yankees turned a record-tying third triple play of the season to avoid a potential balloon save from closer Aroldis Chapman and defeat the Oakland Athletics 2-1. to The Bronx Bombers have a three-game series with the Kansas City Royals next. The Mets dropped the key series with a 5-2 loss to the Washington Nationals as Kyle Schwarber hit three home runs. Metropolitans looked to rebound with a doubleheader against the Atlanta Braves on Monday as City Fields reopens to, with full capacity. The Stanley Cup semifinals now. The Vegas Golden Knights have tied the series with the Montreal Canadiens at two after an overtime goal by Nicholas Watt at 118 in Game 5. Excuse me with a 2-1 win in overtime. Game five between the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning is set for 8 o'clock tonight. The special Father's Day moment, giving his jersey to his dad, Trey Young's 21 points, closes out a 103-96 game seven win in Philadelphia as Joe Embiid's 31-point double-double was not enough as the Atlanta Hawks will now take on Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Final. And in the Western Conference Final already, the Phoenix Suns win a close one without Chris Paul due to health and protocol safety with a 120-114 win next to Devin Booker's 40-point triple-double against the Clippers. Paul George had 34 points for Los Angeles. And on this day in sports history, the 27th time, and dare I say, the most successful franchise in sports in North America, the New York Yankees, announced 82 years ago today to the day that the Iron Horse, number four, Luke Garrick, would have to retire due to being diagnosed with ALS. And that is your two-minute warning. Kyle, back to you in the studio. Awesome. Thank you so much. And now let's start with talking about the same thing we've talked about every morning, COVID. However, this one comes straight from the Good News Network, an odd website to start off our story with. But I promise you these next two stories are going to really brighten your day because the Good News Network reports that COVID cases, deaths and hospitalizations are plummeting towards zero across the country. In most states across the country, COVID death rates are less than 0.1%. 
with 11 states having a death rate of 0% and only five states having a rate higher than 0.1%. Many states are also showing signs that the virus is slowly becoming under control, and the seven-day average has gone down from 94% since January to um, 94% since January from a quarter of a million cases a day to around 14,000 cases a day. And Katrina, what's going on in New Jersey regarding COVID, specifically the vaccine? All right. Thank you, Kyle. So on Friday, Governor Phil Murphy hit his goal to vaccinate 4.7 million people in the state. Uh, the goal was to hit the goal. The goal was hit two weeks before it was planned. And the goal includes the people under the age of 18 who also already got the vaccine. Murphy got called this a milestone at the University of the, of the University Hospital of Newark. And as of right now, data shows that 76% of the population has been at least partially vaccinated already. Now, funny to say that last week, we were all talking about how we were like, but Governor Phil Murphy is not going to hit this goal by the time June ends. We were we were predicting like July or whatever. Yeah, with the, but... with the whole vaccine. I think not only in Jersey, I think we were also talking nationwide. Like um, we thought the nation itself, like all of America wouldn't reach its goal. Um, I forget exactly what Biden said the goal was, but it was like 70% by July 4th or something like that. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is definitely a stepping stone in the right direction. So- I mean, if we can, I get New Jersey isn't the biggest state in all of the United States, but if we hit this miles, uh, this goal two weeks ahead of schedule, I think that gives us really good hope overall for the rest of the country. Because if we do take it like more, if we take it less as a one as a nation and more than as one state at a time, I think it would seem like less of a daunting task and it might it might not reach the goal of July 4th, like we, like Biden said, but I think we're getting there. We yeah. will see it soon, I think. Right. And honestly, for myself, I didn't really think that it would, um, especially two weeks before we, he planned, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I'd like, even so like governor Phil Murphy said like around July and um, we, I didn't really expect it to be by July because I know around this time we were talking about how some people that aren't already vaccinated probably would have already been vaccinated, right. but it seems like that there's still a lot more people that haven't been vaccinated yet that want to. And so I think it's also like a lot of kids now since like, I think it's 12 and up, right? That kids Yeah, I believe still, 12 and older now. is still the uh, threshold. So 12 and up can, and I think- yeah. Because now that's here's my thing. You said like, oh, people who are already, who aren't vaccinated probably don't want to be at this point. But as we see, we're not entirely right on that. But I think my thinking is now that you said it, that the age is 12 and up, I think now that summer's rolling around and kids are off from school and uh, parents are a little more free from work per se, I think they're having more time in their schedules, parents for them to take their younger kids who can't drive themselves to get these vaccines. And that's probably yep. a little bit of what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I see that like, because these, I feel like a lot of the vaccination like places to get your vaccine, they have like, they close very early. Like, it's not like yeah. they're open till like eight or whatever. I think the latest I've seen was 5.30. I might be wrong, but like around that time, like, 
people kids that are in school it's like how would they get there if they get out of like three-ish it's kind of very tight for them especially right. some that might be like playing sports and stuff it's very hard to like you know get to where they gotta be to get their vaccine and then they gotta um like deal with um the symptoms and whatnot and right. i guess waiting till the summer is good for them but yeah and it, it explains why the numbers are going up at this time but I didn't expect it to go up so quickly. But I yeah, think I, I think it's great, in my opinion. I think it's really great how um, how many people are getting vaccinated now and how it's over half of the population. Yeah. Campbell Crystal, do you think New Jersey reaching their goal will give hope or inspiration or something to the rest of the country that we might be able to reach this goal maybe a little sooner past the past Biden's goal date than originally we thought? Yeah, I definitely will say that knowing this now that New Jersey has, you know, met its goal in way before, in my opinion, way before yeah. the time that they wanted to, I think it's definitely, it's just like one of those stories that it should be like, everyone should hear about because every I've heard a lot of like arguments and discussions of we're not going to meet that deadline, the one that um, President Biden put that by right. July 4th. It was by July 4th, right? Um, I believe so. I believe that was the original date. It might have changed uh, within the few weeks as, you know, we're nearing toward it and we have a more accurate representation of, okay, we're three weeks away now as opposed to three months. This is where the numbers sit at. We can kind of gauge if this will happen or not. Right. But I definitely think it's something that people should know about because it's going to be kind of inspirational i guess or it'll just be like a motivator to either a if you haven't gotten your vaccine get your vaccine or b just be like we can meet this goal right yeah um and i think it's a super hard goal because it's not like a you thing it's like a everybody thing right like you can only do have... so much as a person you can't right, we... get 16 <laughs> doses of the vaccine and be like hey i just brought up the average eight percent or whatever Exactly, exactly. I will say, though, that I was reading and I, I included a small part of it on my newscast. I was reading this article that basically stated that in some states like um, Missouri or Kansas, it's getting vaccinations or people getting vaccinated that live in like rural parts of the state is has definitely been a challenge. And I can see why. Right. Um, right. transportation communication whatever the case may be I can see why so we are definitely not I don't want to say well at least in New Jersey we're doing very well but in other states they're still not out of the clear um and you know there are right. some people still need to get their vaccine so that's definitely something to keep in mind we are you know great to be able to be so I guess ahead of the game um but there's other states who are still struggling so right now, I do wonder if we are, this probably isn't out of, I mean, we're one out of 50, um, but I wonder if we are the first state to hit the goal. Because mm -hmm. I, I assume, well, here's the thing. I assume each state has their own goal that they're trying to reach. Mm -hmm. uh, New Jersey specifically was, uh, I believe, 70% of the population, if my math is correct, or something like that. But I wonder if like out of all the states where the, I definitely don't think we're the first to get 70% of adults fully vaccinated, but I do, I wonder if we are in like that top, I don't know, say top five, top 10 states to do it first. 
<laughs> Kayo, I know you want the recognition, but I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Trust. I'm just... No, no, no. New Jersey's not getting recognized for anything. Trust me on that. Oh, yes. Because Mr. Kyle here, I saw that he doesn't believe that New Jersey is one of the top states to live in. But that's another conversation. At least not, at least not my town in central Jersey. There's not much to do there. <laughs> Kayo, I think you're the problem. Most but... likely. But I mean... It's not like I can pick up and leave anytime soon because, Petrina, what is happening with American Airlines? American Airlines. All right. So American Airlines cancels hundreds of flights amid staffing and maintenance issues. Due to maintenance issues and significant staffing, hundreds of flights have been canceled uh, by American Airlines. 123 flights have been canceled on Saturday, 178 on Sunday, and 97 for Monday. Maintenance calls out by staff and other staffing issues is the cause of the cancellation of flights. Shortage of staffing, caterers, wheelchairs, and operators are the staff that are um, causing this shortage. ABC News was told by American Airlines that most cancellations are A320 and 737 uh, aircraft, but could keep canceling 50 to 60 flights a day throughout the month of June and 50 to 80 throughout the month of July. Uh, Customers will be notified far in advance by American Airlines to whether their flights will be canceled. Wow. That's a lot of people trying to travel and, uh, you know... That's... I'm I'm shocked at the 50 to 60 flights a day for the rest of the month because, okay, I don't work at an airport. I don't know how many flights leave in a day, but that seems like a very large amount. I agree. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that, I mean, there, I can't imagine the amount of people right now, especially since last summer they couldn't travel this right. summer. They're all like, oh, it's summer. We're going to travel. It's going to be a great summer of 2021. And now 50 to 60 flights are going to be canceled. And their plans are ruined. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Unless they find a solution. But, I mean. And this is nationwide. They're canceling flights, right? This is not like, oh, only in New Jersey these flights are being canceled. It's all across uh, the country where flights are being canceled. Okay, so the 50 to 60 makes a little bit more sense to me. If I had a, a vacation plan and I haven't taken one since, you know, before COVID and this were to happen, honestly, just cancel American Airlines at this point. And I'm not saying for someone to, someone to do that, but I'm just saying like I would be as a, you know, someone who's excited for vacation, I would be so bothered by this because yeah. like Kyle said, 50 to 60 flights a day is a lot. And I think it's super, super like, okay yes we were obviously all like "Ah, the flights they're gonna be canceled vacation but can we talk about the reason why it's according to this it's saying that there's a shortage of staffing issues um that includes you know caterers and wheelchair operators and I think that's such a crazy you know thought and I say this because we have been seeing these reports of people I guess for lack of a better word, not wanting to go back to work. And there's been arguments about this of why the reason is people say it's childcare, daycare just are not open, or there's numerous reasons why people are saying on unemployment, just there's so right. many reasons. But I think it's super interesting that now it's affecting our airlines. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember reading something last week, I don't think it made it into the script, but 
Um, I believe it was restaurants that were also having trouble, you know, bringing back workers. And one of the reasons was, um, it wasn't the main reason, but one of the reasons was unemployment, like the unemployment checks, you get more money from that than you would actually working, especially at a restaurant where mostly what you're counting on is tips from people. And, you know, we've all been, this pandemic affected the whole world. So you're not only relying on people to be able to pay the bill uh, despite their financial situation, but give more money on top of that. So I'm interested because I don't know too much about how like payment works at an airport, but I assume it's slightly different, but still like it's hard. It's going to, I think we're going to see this in a lot more places, like companies struggling to find uh, incentive to bring or struggling to find an incentive that brings workers back. Because the article also said when the pandemic hit in March, they're like, okay, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll pay you to like retire early. And now they're being like, hey, can you please come back? We, we're, we're canceling 60 flights a day. We're, we got a big problem here. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, Kyle, like a bunch of different like places are definitely um, struggling with um, employment rates because uh, I know that uh, for one thing, products um like the price of products that like these companies will purchase they're going up and it's very like hard for them um to be purchasing them and like for example i work at starbucks and um right now we're having a shortage on like so many things like your favorite peach and guava juices we're out of stock we've been out of stock and like this one refresher berry hibiscus uh, that's been out of stock. I mean, the products, they just, it's just so much money right now. And I know they're also struggling with employment and it's just, I think that right now, since a lot of people are like trying to move on and whatever, there's a lot of people just trying to change their lives and whatnot. So I think right. that's just a struggle. I have a question. So I, this has been an issue I've been following for a couple of weeks. I think it's been in the news um, for the past week or two basically um how some republican-led states are saying that they want to stop the unemployment those extra 300 dollars that they're giving individuals a week aside from their uh unemployment allowance to they want to take that away so that people are encouraged to go back to work and they go back to work and so we don't see these type of shortages some people are saying and i believe that the uh, Biden administration said that they are, they still want to continue it until September, which was the original, I guess, last day or month that they were going to do that. So I guess my question to you guys is like, do you think that if more states were to do that in terms of, or actually implement that where they are taking away those $300 that it would actually, we wouldn't see this type of problem, like, you know, um, pushing us in Starbucks, some drinks are right. out of stock. I did hear about that, which I think is hilarious. Um, or like the American Airlines, you know, this is something I think that people count on, whether it's vacation work or whatever the case may be, um, visiting a sick family member or whatever the case may be. Do you think if they were to take away the $300 a week, the extra $300 a week, it would make a difference in this? I mean, I think it could make some difference i mean i don't remember how much unemployment gets from not being like from i mean how much they get from unemployment but i think it's a 
I think it would like encourage them a little bit just because, you know, there's like, oh, that's less money for me. Like I'm using this money to pay this bill and that's like a little short or something. So I think that that might like encourage them to at least get like a side job, like just like a little part time -time, job. Yeah. Yeah. To, um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I, I think that could work. I mean, I I think it's something mm -hmm. we can only see in practice. So like we would have to do it in order to know if it works. Cause that's not really something like you can speculate, oh, because of the human brain, if they have less incentive here and more incentive here, they'll flock toward this and X, Y, and Z and the control group and whatnot. But I think until you put it into actual practice, everything is just gonna be like, maybe, maybe not, will they, won't they? Campbell, what do you, what do you think about this? Like, do you think less money will encourage people to get jobs again or do you think they'll just fall back on what was originally given i think it could go either or because like you have like people who are not working getting those unemployment benefits and people who are encouraged to go back to work they are also getting paid i mean they're a fair amount for going back because of the pandemic i think it could go either or but I think yeah. it's it's all a matter of money, I guess, or like if someone chooses to go back to work or not. I mean, that's how I see it. Right. Yeah. I will say, and I've been itching to make this point, <laughs> and I know some people are not going to agree with me, which is perfectly fine. Well, but, that's, it's fine because it's your right. opinion and it doesn't reflect the station in any way. Absolutely. But I was going to say that you see that whole argument, but first of all, two points I wanted to make. One is that I've been on TikTok and I've seen people talk about how they would be willing to go back to work if they were paid a livable wage. That's number one. I did want to point that out. That some A minimum wage, you said? Or a livable wage. Oh, livable. Me- yeah, that makes livable more sense. Wage, meaning that they cannot make ends meet with minimum wage or the, right, the yeah. wage that they're being paid at or the rate that they're being paid out currently. So that's one more point I wanted to point out. Another point that I wanted to make was that, so you see the whole um, argument on immigration and um, undocumented people, I think, and you, this been for the past couple of months, an argument has been that undocumented people are the ones who tend to take jobs that nobody wants. And that is 1000% true like that. And I tell you, I'm telling you this as a Hispanic woman, and I'm telling you this as someone who is around undocumented people all the time, that yeah. they are the ones who do the jobs that no one wants to, the backbreaking ones, the one in the heat, the one in the cold, the one at those jobs, right? And I think it's so interesting that I guarantee you, and I know it's bad for me to say I guarantee because I cannot guarantee and like you said it's all kind of speculation but I could I would bet money on the fact that if undocumented immigrants could start working at the airlines they would go and they would do it and therefore these airlines or specifically American airlines would not have to cancel these 50 to 60 flights in June and 50 to 80 flights in July so If that would be an option, which I know it's not because those are the jobs that, you know, undocumented people cannot apply for. But if they would be able to, I can almost guarantee it. They would be the number ones to line up and get the jobs and get the job done. But yeah, that's my point that I wanted to make. Yeah. And also, like, they are like, so I, I think like anybody 
in a desperate enough situation. I it's I don't know if that's exactly what I mean. The words might not be the correct way I'm saying them, but like even for like a pilot, I feel like somebody if they had the means, they would go through that training now in order to get that job just because like if they're like struggling or something like that is something and I think an opening here would probably be like a very good motivator to go through the training that you would need in order to like get the job because at this point I feel like it's almost you're it's almost secured like if you if you have the training I feel like you could get a job at the airlines no problem now since they're so desperate looking for people that they have to cancel over 50 flights a day across everything. I agree. Maybe I would start, maybe I'll apply and get a job <laughs> there so I can travel for free. <laughs> I don't even know if that's one of the perks, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I think it depends on the position right. <laughs> uh, that you get. I don't think um, the desk operator, I, I don't think the people checking the baggage uh, get for, well, maybe they do just not the ones they're working on like like a steward right. would or a flight attendant would but moving on we have a big story here in which the a new jersey congresswoman wants to end penalties for all illegal drug possession so before i even say anything uh anything we say well despite the facts i'm going to read in a second anything we say are our own opinions and are of no reflection of the station or anyone involved but according to nj1015.com, U.S. Representative Bonnie Watson Coleman is proposing to eradicate all penalties for all illegal drug possession. In the wake of the 50th anniversary of President Nixon's war on drugs, Coleman stated, quote, the war on drugs has destroyed the lives of countless Americans and their families, end quote. This proposal would not only decriminalize illegal drug possessions, but will also erase the record of also erase any records from existing offenders and will not allow employers to hire or fire people due to a record of drug possession. Each state is still allowed to implement their own drug laws, but would be encouraged to follow these guidelines. Coleman even went as far as suggesting that uh, to withhold funding from um, states that do not relax their drug laws. And instead of incarceration, uh, nonviolent offenders found uh, with drug possession would be uh, given treatment instead of jail time. Other officials, however, have already gone, uh, have already uh, spoken against this idea uh, with US Representative Chris Smith saying, quote, punitive measures against those kinds of drugs will save lives. So once again, anything we are about to say is in no way a reflection of the station or anyone involved on the team. But I don't know where I stand on this because I have a very, let's say, old-fashioned way of thinking. And I don't think this is a good idea to ban penalties or to uh, essentially delete penalties for drug possession. However, the fact that it's replacing incarceration with treatment, I can see where they're coming from. But I also don't know how much I, per se, trust it right <clears throat> i mean i don't know i i don't think i'm fully for it or fully against it i mean i'm not sure about the whole like having it not illegal but then again it's like i think it's i like the idea of the people getting treatment rather right. than going to jail i think it's i think it's i think it's better for them 
to get treatment rather than being punished for it. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very tough to like, really like go to each side and like, think about like, you know, I don't know. I just think that I think the treatment thing, I think that's a good idea. I think that, I don't know. I just don't think they should be fully punished for it. Like jail time. Um, especially if it's not going to be illegal, but, um, Crystal, what's your uh, opinion on it? Oof, no, imagine I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, so, okay. So kind of on what both of you have said, I, because personally, when I make up my own opinion on a topic, I like to really do some extensive research and statistics, other articles, other perspectives, others' opinions, et cetera, et cetera, just so that I can really get a full grasp of the topic. However, I will say based on what I have learned so far on this topic, um, and I actually did a story when the legalization of marijuana was, was happening I also did a story on that. So I kind of know a little bit of what I interviewed a professor on that she focused on criminal justice and stuff like that and got her opinion on it and heard her perspective. So I will say that what she is proposing, some of it is does sound good to me. And I say this because she is trying to shift the regulatory authority of illegal drugs from the Justice Department to a Department of Health and Human Services. Instead of punitive measures for a drug possession, the legislation would move toward a health-based model with the focus on intervention and treatment. I'm all for that. I think that's good. Or, Or I would go even as far as saying that we can have the criminal component of it and add the health and intervention and treatment part of it. And I say this because I'm all for getting you help and helping you be become better. I'm all for it. Like I would, yeah. I would try to help you. I would volunteer if I could, right? But I think there still needs to be that component of criminal prosecution because where 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 does the line draw in terms of like how do you know from someone who uses the drug or someone who is selling it? And I'm sure you would have to make that very, very clear, but that's something that I definitely thought about it. Like, yes, I want to help the people who have been on the lower end of the stake and, you know, that's all they've been. Because one of the arguments that when I was doing my marijuana story, one of the arguments was that that's all that they've been around. They grew up on that type of environment. And, you you know, usually it's the African-Americans, the Hispanic, the low-income people. So it's definitely something to take into consideration. Like, that's all they know. That's the environment they've grown in grown up in and they try to do better but they can't because everything all the odds are set against them so I do want to take that into consideration right like so there's that but you also can't just you know what it's a free-for-all especially with like the hardcore you know like fentanyl and all these other drugs like it's like it's not that of a easy decision which is why those would be included too those would be Mm -hmm penalties for those kind of drugs too would be right like when i say all i mean all drug possession yeah so there has to be like you said there has to be a line somewhere even between like what is penalized and what's not because some of this stuff not that i know i i'm this is based off of what i've heard but some of this stuff is a lot worse off than others and so like there i get I kind of get where she's going with this, but there has to be a serious line between like, okay, this stuff is good or not good, but like this stuff is on the lower end. 
something goes wrong with this kind of stuff, this, these things over here, this is urgent. This could be a little bit more relaxed. We still have to take this seriously. Cause I think that's going to be another issue because all penalties and records are being erased. Essentially. It's not going to be taken as seriously. So, like if it's legalized, okay, fine. But that doesn't mean you can go full out with it. It's still dangerous stuff. And you right. it has to be, uh, in, a, in a sense, regulated. It, you can't just go buck wild with it. I, but like, like alcohol, it's okay. It's legal to have, but it has to be done in moderation, no matter what it is. Right. right. There definitely needs to be some sort of line, I feel, because it depends on like the kind of drug. Some are just a lot worse, but I mean, it's not like they're all like, you know, good. But like I said, like, I feel like if it was relaxed and legalized, I just feel like that there would, I feel like people would be a little more, kind of more irresponsible, in my opinion. There'd be, there would be people that would really just be a little more like since it's legalized they're like oh it's like okay this is good like i i can like use it and not have to be afraid to use it and i just feel like it just be more abused than it should be yeah and i think something that i want to point out is that well at least this is the way i see it because i am a student and so therefore i'm learning all these things and stuff like that and what i've noticed when legislation is introduced is that so there's like this main topic, right? There's this main topic and that's what a lot of people know, right? Because that's the title, that's the main topic. And, but there's so much more into it. Like, you know how they have to have like a whole proposal? There's so much more to it that people would have to sit down and read that I don't think a lot of people actually do. But something that I noticed with this that I kind of did not, that didn't really sit well with me and I'm going to read it to you. It says the legislation would further prohibit drug testing to receive federal public assistance and would prevent individuals from being denied immigration status due to personal drug use. See, for this, I personally think it should not be like this. I, they should prohibit, um, they should not prohibit drug testing to receive federal funds. Because if you are, for example, if you are using these drugs and that's the reason why you're not working. And then you're going ahead and asking for, you know, whatever the case assistance, like rent assistance, PS and G assistance, food right. stamps, that does not sit well with me. I, that is something I can confidently tell you that it does not sit well with me. You cannot be someone who does not hold a job, go ask for go- the government to give you money essentially. And then you go and do drugs. Right. That is just that, that is not that. <laughs> That is math that is not adding up in my head. Like that yeah. is not okay. And that personally, that's one of the parts of I guess of her legislation. And I think it's see that should be if this were to go through and stuff like that, that should be some definitely something that they look at because I can't. Like I as someone who lives close, and I'm not sure if you guys um know what it is. Oh, I was gonna say projects because that's how we call them, right. but there's it's called public housing, I guess it would be the correct term. Public housing, basically, where people um, get their housing paid by the government or by the state. And, you know, they work and they report what they make a week. I've seen people who actually need it. Like, they would not, they would be homeless if the government or the state did not help them with their housing. 
However, I will say that I've also met people and I've also talked to people who, you know, they simply just don't want to work and they're fine with it. They're fine with just having the bare minimum, having a roof and having like weekly allowance for food. They're okay with that. And to then add to that and be like some of those individuals are using drugs that aren't they and now they can't even be prosecuted for it and they get money from the state. That is just not right to me. I personally disagree with that. Yeah. Campo, what are your thoughts? I be I'll be quick with this. Uh, but it's always been a crime to have like possession or anything that's illegal. And the all penalties thing I think is kinda a little outrageous for a bit because people use drugs in the worst ways. And there's also the fine line where I mean, the rehabilitation centers are very useful for these people to get themselves better and whatnot. But also, do we know, like, how do we know if, like, if they're not going to use it again or they suddenly relapse and, like, yeah. it's tough. So, yeah, that's definitely. my take on it. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good point to bring up, like, uh, like relapse and stuff. Like, how do we know, like, since there's no penalty, how do they know once they complete I don't know if there's like a set time for treatment or something, but once they finish that, Hey, I'm back guys. What's up? What did I miss? So that's definitely a good uh, point to bring up. But with that being said, we are going to go on a short break before we come back with our interview with Dr. Davis. So stay tuned for that here on 90.3 WMSC Upper Montclair. 90.3 WMSC Upper Montclair, where music stays cool cooler than a dog on a skateboard. Okay, I take that back, but we're still pretty cool. And welcome back to 90.3 WMSC Upper Montclair, the summer morning buzz Monday edition. Finally got that right. I have been your host, Kyle Pepitone, here with Padrina Geiger, Crystal Santos, and Campbell Donovan. And right now, me and Petrina are going to take a little bit of a trip back in time as we air our interview with Dr. Danae Davis on Pride Month. So here we go right now. Back to the summer morning buzz here on 90.3 WMSC Upper Montclair. Me, Kyle Pepitone, and my co-host, Petrina Geiger, are joined today with Danae Dav- Dr. Danae Davis, who is an elementary educa- educator who specializes in diversity. Uh, so glad you can join us today. How are you doing now? And especially with Pride Month in this post-COVID world, how is that going? I am doing okay. I will tell you that I um, am on the heels of a trip to Las Vegas, Nevada. And in my route from the airport on, um, I don't know what they're called, but they're billboards on the side of the road, two words, share pride. I was so, so, so excited to see that and maybe on one or two other billboards. So for an entire week, I was trying my best to capture that image with my phone and a picture. I have something that's blurred. It's not, it's not the best, but I was just really excited to see that. So, um, you know, don't know much about the community in Las Vegas, Nevada, but clearly somebody's on board to have yes. billboards that say share pride. So that's a great thing. Yeah. That's, and this is a great month. That definitely, yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, that definitely must be so refreshing to see, especially like I know if I saw that, I'd just be so like, wow, that's great to see, you know? Yes, really exciting to see, for sure. And so with all that, clearly like that's a really big thing to see that in Las Vegas, the share pride. So overall to everybody, what, why is pride month so important? What is the major significance behind this month? So certainly pride month, right? But, but, you know, then you, you spread that out. Um, first I, I need to, um, uh, identify myself as, as an ally. I, I like to say that I'm becoming a noisy ally. Um, and I have come to appreciate Pride Month and that I haven't always had that appreciation. Um, uh, over time, certainly recognizing the need for um, the celebrations uh, specifically within the LGBTQ community, but then for folks like myself outside of it, but to understand the need for people to be loud and proud of their, their life. Often um, people uh, who are relegated to the margins, so certainly members of the LGBTQ community, I'm an African-American woman, um, and we know what it means to, to feel silenced, to be silenced. And I was thinking about, you know, sometimes it feels like you're constipated and nobody wants to be constipated, right? You just, you, you can't move, you can't speak and you're stifled. Um, so the idea of Pride Month in particular is a chance for, you know, what are there, 30 days in June to just be really loud, to be demonstrative and let people know and let people hear that uh, folks who identify as LGBTQIA and all the other letters um, are, are present and that they're human, they're, they're, they're due respect, um, and their, their, their lives are, are worth of, of celebration. So, uh, yeah, I have come to appreciate it in, in that sense. That's, yeah, that's so great that you recognize that. And I hope that, you know, you can really, we, we can all make a difference to make sure that everybody can recognize that, especially. And so how do you think celebrating Pride Month is significant to college students specifically? So, you know, with and my, my, my time as a college student was, was many decades ago, but in that process, it's about finding oneself, certainly feeling comfortable in oneself um, and being safe. Uh, I, I do hear uh, stories uh, from students. I remember, so I've been at Montclair State since 2004, um, maybe with the launch of the Safe Space program, I signed up for that. And that's, you know, you, you go, you have a workshop, uh, you, you hear about different perspectives and voices, and you publicly declare or say that you're, you are a person who will hear uh, and be responsive and helpful to people, um, certainly within the LGBTQ community, but any folks who feel like they need a voice, and, and it's a safe voice in a safe space. Um, I'd say within a month of, uh, maybe a month within finishing my, tra my training, a student I had in my class didn't know this until she said she came to my office and saw there's a triangular sticker that says uh, safe space. She came out to me as bisexual. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what, you know, what, what do I do with this? So I sat and I listened. Um, and over time, and, and many times when people are sharing, you listen, you want to, cause you know, she's there for that. Uh, yeah, she's there for that. And then I asked, what is it that she, you know, wanted from me or how I could support her? And she said she just needed to, to share um, because in her, in her, uh, coming out or, or I won't say transition, but in, in her coming out story, I suppose, um, it was the first time that she had articulated that and expressed it to someone who's not part of her core. I was a professor, not a friend of hers. And uh, she assumed that she could she would be safe uh, to share that and express her feelings. I talked to her about um, 
a, a woman I refer to, well, her name is Dana, but I like to call her my first um, lesbian friend. And we met uh, in college during our doctoral studies. And uh, the, the time with her helped me to really appreciate um, just, you know, people are trying to, to go and live their lives and be on their journey. Um, uber, uber smart person. And uh, she would often bring me into um, what was happening in her life. Um, uh, my, my first experience in a, in a lesbian bar. Uh, so that was, that was cool. Um, but just, you know, the, the more time you spend with people. So when hearing the student who identified as bisexual, my, my friend Jana, who we are still friends today, and I hang out with her children and her family. Um, but it's spending time with people and hearing those stories um, that allows you to then appreciate. So maybe because of my time with Jana, and that was before I started at Montclair State, that might have helped me to be a little more, certainly to reach out and participate in the Safe Space program. And then to hear uh, from a student who identified and, and wanted to share her coming out story as a, as a bisexual um, person. Um, and then certainly being, you know, more open over the years as students do identify um, in their classes or sometimes publicly in the classes or sometimes they'll just come to me one-on-one uh, -on -one and want to indicate and have me know who they are um, and certainly being mindful uh, of their story and their journey. That's great. That must be like such a special feeling to you, like being somebody that somebody can come to you to share that like really like special information with you know yeah I, I do like that um because as a professor you often wonder do students hear you know do they do they see us as uh as, as human and having sensibilities and sensitivities and uh oftentimes you know it's 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 the it's the opposite well you know they're not responsive and they don't care and i want people to know that i do care and it's great that uh, for folks who um maybe you know, wherever they are on the journey, whether it's an easy one for them or troubling, um, can come to me and either share, ask questions, um, seek support, and I try to direct people um, where where I can, where I have access to resources and, and that information. Um, I'll also tell you too then, so maybe three years after the training, um, the and I think I learned about this book from my friend Jana, uh, it was, I think it's Educating Benjamin or Teaching Benjamin, uh, I have to think a minute about the author's name, um, but it was a book specifically for educators. And in my department, uh, then it was early childhood elementary literacy education. We are now the teaching and learning department. Um, our first um, book club was around LGBTQ uh, uh, content, conversations, and responsiveness, because as a department, uh, a lot of faculty, you know, we've got our expertise, maybe in literacy, maybe in elementary ed, maybe um, in, um, I don't know, mathematics, uh, but not really steeped in how to interact with uh, students who identify as LGBTQ. Um, and one of the things I like to say at the end of the day, it's just, it's recognizing that you're just dealing with people, right? So we don't, many times people want to make it complicated. It's like, well, you know, how are you supposed to address someone? You know, is it okay to, to talk about candy? You know, can you smile? Yeah. Wouldn't you do that with anyone, right? So just be responsive and recognize the humanity um, in your students. So yeah, we had a, we, and it was great that we'd have those conversations. I think someone from the um, LGBTQ center came in. Um, but so for a year, you know, faculty, there were a group of maybe five or six of us talking about how to be responsive, how to have conversations, and then identifying um, resources. So, um, and I'd like to take a little pride in, in uh, saying that I had, had, I helped lead that. So right. yeah, that was good. 
And with all of this, what are like, even past the end of June when Pride Month technically is stated to end, what activities could people partake in to help sell, to still celebrate this past the designated month it has and also continue to raise awareness throughout the entire calendar year? Very good. Um, so one of the things, well, educate yourself, right? So certainly in, during Pride, there are a lot of programs. 30 minutes before coming on tonight, there was a commercial, I think, sponsored by um, Verizon. And what caught my ear was the word pride. Now, maybe ordinarily someone might think, oh, do they mean a, a group of lions? Are they talking about, you know, just being proud? It's like, no, that has to be, you know, because this is Pride Month. And sure enough, that's what it was when I looked at the screen. Um, so paying attention to those narratives, especially in the month of June. Um, right. Maybe okay. giving yourself permission to, to learn. If, if you hear about a particular story, there was something on uh, CNN, I think, last night or the night before, uh, an interview, uh, I want to say the person, I don't remember the person's name, but it was a Black trans woman talking about her experience. So that certainly caught my ear. And I will I'm going to cycle back to try to find the, the full uh, interview. Um, I, I love field trips, and often I would send my students on, um, I call them uh, border crossings or cultural field trips, someplace or with some folks that you ordinarily wouldn't hang out or some place you, uh, folks you wouldn't ordinarily talk to. Um, so there are communities, um, there are, there are uh, places where um, like-minded folks will, will congregate. Uh, I'd say about two months ago, I heard about um, a decline in lesbian bars, and there had to do something maybe with COVID, um, but I guess there are not as many lesbian bars that around that were in the past. So, you know, seek out and spend some time and in that place, go have a drink or, you know, have, well, if you're underage, don't do that, but go and have, you know, <laughs> some pizza um, or check out a movie if you don't want to, you know, be in communion with other people. Right. Um, but yeah, there, I mean, there's so many resources, maybe listen to some music, um, do, do your, uh, uh, an author study or an artist study on, on an entertainer uh, who has, has written or continues to write or perform. I'm thinking of Katie Lang for maybe older folks and then Lady Gaga, um, there was another woman I learned about, I want to say princess, uh, I think she identifies as queer, but they're just there. I mean, there's so many resources and opportunities. So, you know, take yourself on a field trip, read, watch a movie, Pose, I think is in its third season. Um, I've recently learned that, um, um, Porter, what is his first name? Billy Porter, uh, as, has, um, come out as uh, HIV positive. I guess he'd been all the time, but people are just now, uh, that's coming more, more right. public. People are learning that. So learn about Billy Porter or learn about you know, HIV. Um, I've heard some other folks wonder, you know, how is it that we could, in like, less than a year's time, have a vaccine for COVID-19, but nothing for HIV? Explore that, right? So there, there, are, there are many ways that people can and people should uh, continue to uh, educate or start to educate um, and continue to celebrate or recognize and um, explore the meaning of pride and um, why the month exists and how a person can continue their own pride celebration and conversation. Definitely. Knowledge is th everything. The root of knowledge or knowledge is at the root of everything. Knowledge is power. Exactly. Yes. And especially these days, we have so many resources we can use to, to get this knowledge. And I feel like that now we should take advantage of it to be able to like receive 
that knowledge now that we have so many different ways to find out things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And once you get it, don't hold on to it, share it. So going back to that share pride sign that I, billboard that I saw, um, I, I managed to get some type of image of it and I shared it on social media. And, you know, some people might say that it's cool or ask about it, but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm taking the narrative and sharing it that way. So yeah, want, learn for yourself and then share some tidbits with, with other folks. Yeah, that's, uh, that's also super important. Absolutely, but, have to do that. Exactly. Uh, past, like once Pride Month is over and, um, you know, people receive this knowledge and all that, what kind of knowledge do you think is the most important that people should take away from this month? So again, recognizing, you know, why, why, why does Pride exist? And my understanding is so that people will have an opportunity collectively, right, to be loud and proud about who they are in the same way that we have Women's History Month, Black History Month, um, Asian, uh, Asian, was it AA, Asian American, Island Pacifica was, was in uh, May. Um, the fact that we take time as a, as a country, certain aspects of us uh, in the country, take time to, to single out and highlight uh, stories and perspectives, it's important to do so for uh, the LGBTQ uh, community and continue to do that um, beyond the month of June. Um, you know, maybe you, you take yourself on a, on a, you know, give yourself a day or a week just to learn something new and, and to share that. But it is important. Um, I, I, one of the things I often will go back to in, in working with uh, students, um, you know, they, they really get caught up with, uh, you know, how do you, how do you, what, how am I supposed to talk about difference? Or, you know, is it okay to do, you know, this in the classrooms? Like, remember first, especially with my group, you're dealing with babies, right? You're talking to somebody, you're dealing with somebody who's seven or nine years old. In, in this instance of high school or college students, you're dealing with students. Remember the humanity, we're all human beings. And if people would just break it down and, and move to the core and realize that we're all just human beings trying to live our best lives, um, I think that's the most important thing to remember that we are all human beings. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody deserves to be happy and safe. And that truly is just at the core of pride, but certainly all, all of the, the celebrations that exist. So just you know, rem remember the humanity of, of your fellow human being, or fellow neighbor or person. So yeah. that's most important, I believe. Right, definitely. I think that's something that sh should be applied a lot more per se like that the whole acceptance thing for some reason is something that's not as obvious as most people would think it would be and i think like i i really think that's what you're saying like not just with pride but with everything going on i think acceptance is a very good start yes. to getting to a much better more unified world and i think it's, i don't think i know acceptance comes with familiarity so a lot of times yes. the fear um, the apprehension is because people don't know about a circumstance or a situation. Um, I like to talk about my mother who is now 90, I think she's 91. Um, and I introduced her, she met Jana. And uh, I don't know, I don't remember how I laid the foundation, but you know, she said, well, what am I, how, am I, how am I supposed to talk to her? What do I say? I said, she's a person, she's one of my, my classmates, you know, just have a conversation. So that might've been, you know, early in, in the um, journey. Um, the last time Jana and her sons visited, my mother says, how's your wife doing? How are you doing, Jana? 
So, I mean, clearly it's having the experiences, seeing the humanity of folks, um, and the more time you spend with people, uh, you, you just get to see and, you know, find out where there are commonalities and, and, and meet people where they are as, as humans. I think that's just the most important part. The more time you spend, the easier it becomes, um, less apprehension, and yeah, right. better that way. And right. I think I think that's an aspect that makes it a little easier these days to kind of people to get used to like, you know, asking like, oh, how's your wife and all that, because it's definitely getting more normalized now. And like, oh, in a sense, there are there are the people that don't agree with it and people that do. But there, I think it is getting more normalized. And that's what's helping people that don't really understand it to really grow and know more about it. Absolutely. So uh, I like to also remind students that we tend to be a little more progressive in the Northeast. Um, but then I'm in Las Vegas where there's a sign that says share pride, right? So, and I was, I would not expect that. I don't think I've seen those signs around New Jersey or other parts of um, the Northeast. I mean, maybe they exist. I just have not um, seen them, but uh, seen them. Uh, so right. certainly uh, to, to realize that, yes, we, we do take and have the opportunity to be a lot more open and welcoming of, of uh, this aspect of, of difference and diversity. And that's not the case in other parts of, of, of the United States. Um, and then just with regard to, to language and, and nomenclature, you know, introducing yourselves, asking people how they'd like to identify. Um, and that's a better move than making assumptions about who people, who you think people are. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, I, I, get just, I can't say it enough. It's just recognizing the humanity, meet people as people, uh, and think about how you would like to be treated, how you'd like to be spoken to and addressed, um, you know, regardless of what people are wearing, what color their hair is, or their skin is, or, you know, how they're, how they're loving and who you think they love. At the core, you know, we all need air to breathe. We all need food to sustain ourselves. Um, and, and we're human. We're all just people. We're all just people. Right, exactly. You, I could not have put it a better way myself. And I, I really think that's what everything you said is the whole point of pride, not just pride month, but it as the whole thing, as it, the entirety of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's very profound what you're saying. And I really am just moved, like I'm moved by what you said with this whole knowledge and acceptance thing. So I, I want to thank you so much for taking this time to come and talk to us about this. Oh, I know it's a little late into the month, but it does, it shouldn't have to stop on June 30th. It That's should, okay. this is something that should be going on, um, you know, year round. So once again, thank you so much for taking this time to you're talk welcome. to us today. Thank you. Thanks for your interest and in, in the work that you're doing. So of course. And happy pride month, everybody celebrate pride. You too. Okay. And uh, one more big thank you to Dr. Davis for joining us for that interview. And like she said, happy Pride Month. But that is going to bring us to the end of our show. I have been your host, Kyle Pepitone, joined along with Petrina Geiger, Crystal Santos, and Campbell Donovan. We will see you all next week. And tomorrow we will have new people and new stories for you here on The Morning Buzz on 90.3 WMSC. Have a great day, everyone.